Hey friend, I'm super excited to dive into this episode. But before we do, I wanted to come in here and personally invite you to Radiant Era. Radiant Era will help you create habits and rituals that support you, not deplete you. Get this, if you're experiencing dissatisfaction in any area of your life, you can trace it back to your habits. That's how powerful they are. Building and practicing new habits can help you trust yourself more than ever, build confidence, create better boundaries, become the woman of high self-integrity that you desire to be because you are keeping your word to yourself. Inside Radiant Era, you'll have all the tools and support that you need to create radiant rituals, better boundaries, and speak up unfiltered and unafraid. When you join Radiant Era, you get instant access to the library of content via a private podcast, which I know you'll love, and you get a group coaching call, which is on the first Wednesday of the month. So it is coming up here. We would love to welcome you in, help you really step into bold, decisive action, create change in your life, and build the self-trust that will support you in all areas of your life. It is time to step into your Radiant Era. For the link to join and more information, just DM me the word Radiant on Instagram. My Instagram is at Erica with a C dot a King A K I N G B O Y E. Or you can check out the show notes below. Say it with me. This is my radiant era. Hope to see you inside. I like to begin asking the questions. If it were to help me find my voice, the question I would use is what do I want to say? And what am I afraid will happen when I say it? Welcome to What's Her Story, the podcast for ambitious women who are ready to use their story as a catalyst for change. I'm your host, Erica Akingwe, best-selling author, content strategist, and author coach to high-achieving, globally-minded women. I started this podcast because honestly, I'm nosy. Every time I see a woman shining, living aligned and abundant in life and business, I wonder, ooh, what's her story? I know this, women who believe in themselves and their story are better equipped to help others transform. So if you're ready to connect over honest conversations and be inspired by other impact-driven women, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and welcome to the What's Your Story podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to the What's Your Story podcast, where we boldly own our voice, seek purpose over perfection, and use our story as a catalyst for change. One thing I just absolutely love and am fascinated by is how we can make a connection with someone today that we don't even know the ripple effect and impact they will have on our lives in the years to come or that we'll have on their lives. I'm sure you can think of someone who seemed like just another ordinary passing or connection or maybe there was a spark, but what it exploded into just blows your mind. 
there are a handful of people in my life that the only way I can describe it is a divine connection. Just no other way. <laughs> and you are going to get to meet one of those extraordinary women today. I am really excited to introduce you to my friend, mentor, coach, Rachel Luna. I found her many years ago in the book Girl Code by Kara Alwell. And something about Rachel's story just stood out to me. And, you know, as we do, I started stalking her on all the social media. I followed her on Instagram, watched her stories, just really drawn into her world, Googled her, you know, all the normal stalker things. <laughs> and there was one day where she jumped on an Instagram live and I was like, Ooh, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like I'm on here at the right time. So I joined and I remember just how engaged and attentive she was to everyone that was there live. She just really speaks from her heart. She does not sugarcoat anything. She is spicy. So I'm really excited about the conversation that Rachel and I had for this podcast and getting to bring you in on it. So as I like to do, I want to share her, you know, official bio. So Rachel Luna is the author of Permission to Offend, is a highly sought after international speaker and certified master neuroscience coach to six and seven figure earning entrepreneurs. Named by Forbes as one of the 11 most inspiring female entrepreneurs to follow on Instagram. This former US Marine has a reputation of inspiring confident action and helping her clients double, triple, and quadruple their income. Her clients often refer to her as their secret weapon. I concur. Rachel calls herself a magnet for miracles because despite losing both her parents to AIDS, struggling with eating disorders in her teens, and battling alcoholism and depression in her early 20s, Rachel has never allowed herself to be limited by life circumstances. Instead, she persevered, and when she was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer in the summer of 2019, Rachel tackled it the same way she does everything, with confidence, faith, and love. Within 30 days, she received a cancer-free diagnosis, and today she continues to thrive, teach, and activate confidence in others. Through her top-rated podcast, Permission to Offend, which has listeners in over 90 countries around the world, social media platforms, email lists, courses, her live event, Confidence Activated, and journaling membership, The Faith Activated Experience, Rachel is on a mission to help 11 million women step into faith, worth, and wealth. Standing only four feet, 11 inches tall, Rachel is a tiny but mighty firecracker who lights up the room and galvanizes her audiences around the world. An international speaker, Rachel has been invited to share her powerful talks all across the globe, from the US to Europe to Japan, and has been featured in Forbes twice, the Huffington Post, Success Magazine, and Latina Magazine, among many others. 
If you're ready to return to your truth, own it, and fully live self-expressed without fear of judgment, rejection, or defamation, so that you can step into your next level of elevation, Rachel Luna is the girl you call. Woo! Yes, I can attest to all of these amazing things Rachel is, and I just love how she owns her story. She's such a great example of empowering other women to own their story and really examine the stories that we tell ourselves. You're going to hear that in our conversation coming up. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Rachel Luna. Welcome to the What's Your Story podcast, Rachel. Thank you for having me, friend. So happy to be here. I am so excited to have you here. This podcast is all about helping women own their voice, seek purpose over perfection, and use their story as a catalyst for change. And all three of those things, I'm like, okay, they need to know Rachel. Everyone (laughs) needs to know Rachel. Because you've been so instrumental in all of those areas for me and hundreds of women to really not just find their voice, because that's a first step, but owning their voice in a powerful way that honors their values and the people around them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited to have you here. I've already introduced everyone to you in your bio, but I would love to hear from you, who is Rachel Luna right now in all of the amazing things that have been happening for you? For some reason, the first word that came to mind was an enigma, um, like a puzzle. And I, that feels so aligned many years ago when I was in a sorority in college, we had a line, like every time you, when you join a sorority, you're put online and our line was called enigma. And we chose that name because we were all so different, but yet we somehow all fit together and I think it's fitting that I feel that that is the season of my life that I'm in. I'm a puzzle and I have an idea of what the puzzle looks like, but it's so fun to find the different pieces and see where each idea and story that I have, like how it's fitting together, how the stories of my past are showing up in my present and impacting my future. So mm-hmm. I guess that was more of a deeper question. Maybe you wanted to know like, oh, I'm a certified master neuroscience coach and I'm, <laughs> I'm an author and a podcast host. Um, but I just, I don't like chit chat. I don't like mm-hmm. small talk. I love to go like, let's talk about the deep things. Like what's keeping us up at night? What is the thing that yes. I'm so afraid? What's the thing that I'm afraid that if people knew were true or if people knew this about me, they would think something or, you know, what's the thing I'm afraid is true about me? Mm, yes. Like, what am I afraid is true about me? Yeah. Most people don't want to have those conversations, but that's yeah. what No, I love it. I love it. And I know the women I attract and the women who are listening are also like, Let's get to the meat and potatoes, the beans and rice, the like good part. Yeah. And so I always appreciate that about you. So your book, Permission to Offend, 
I love subtitles. I feel like they amplify the message even more. And yours is the compassionate guide for living unfiltered and unafraid. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful way to step into our voice and into our story in a way that's very empowering, unfiltered, and unafraid. Mm -hmm. So there's something that you lay out. I want everyone to get the book. Of course, we can't cover it all now, but something that is so powerful is your story loop Mm -hmm. concept Mm -hmm. and the stories we tell ourselves Mm because yes, we want to use our story to impact others, but really finding the story inside ourselves is a lot of the beautiful journey and like uncovering these things. So can you talk more about and explain the story loop and how that helps us tell better stories? Yes. So the story loop is a combination of the like behavioral, um, Dr. Albert Ellis created the ABC model for behavioral cognitive behavioral therapy, excuse me, there we go, Um, which I love that model. And then as I was thinking about it, and, and I've been a master coach for, you know, more than a decade. And as I started working with my clients, I thought to myself, yes, um, you know, the thoughts create action, behavior, whatever, but we're not taking into consideration that it's not just our thoughts. It's not you have a thought and then that dictates your actions. It's you have a thought, you create some meaning about this thought, you, you create a story and then you assign a meaning to the story and it creates all this chaos. So in the book, I talk about a situation that happened with my husband and uh, he wasn't listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> Very relatable. <laughs> And I had, I had a lot of thoughts, but it was more the story that I was telling myself about the situation. And the story that I was telling myself was that I was telling myself two stories. Number one, that he didn't care about what I had to say. Mm -hmm. And number two, that he thought I was stupid, that he thought I was dumb because if he thought I was smart and intelligent, and if he valued and cared about what I had to say, then Not only would he listen to me, but then he would do what I was telling him to do instead of just really, he was ignoring me. That part is not a story. He legitimately was not responding or acknowledging me whatsoever. Uh But as you read in the book, we end up having a conversation and I confront him with my stories and I go into the bedroom and I'm like, I'm telling myself a story that you either think I'm stupid or you just don't care what I have to say. So which is it? Am I stupid or don't you care about me? And it was such a funny moment because for the first time in, we've been married um, next month, it'll be 14 years married, almost 16 years together. And I never thought he was listening to me when I, he hears me coaching and, and I'm always sharing my theories and concepts. And I'm like, I learned this new concept I, in psychology today. I was reading this and this is so fascinating. And, you know, I always thought he wasn't listening to me, but he surprised me. And he goes, well, you are telling yourself stories and they're both lies. So mm. want to check yourself and try that again. And I thought, how dare he use my work against me? (laughs) Those 
were the only two options. You can't make up a option C here, dude. Yeah, those were the <laughs> options, sir. But it was a defining moment for me in the work because so often we think that our stories are true. We think mm. that some version of our story is correct. And that cuts us off from the possibility that all of our stories could be completely false or have a half truth. And a half truth is still a whole lie. Mm. So with the story loop, what we want to do is think of a circumstance, a situation, something that's going on and take a look at the thought. So the thought I had was, you know, he thinks I'm stupid or, or mm. the, thought, the first thought I had was he's not listening to me. He's ignoring me. Mm-hmm. And the story that I told myself was he thinks I'm stupid. Mm. He doesn't care. So we want to pay attention to the thought, pay attention to the story, and then ask ourselves, is this story helping me or hurting me? Mm-hmm. What is a more empowering way to look at this experience? Because mm-hmm. if we only look at it through the lens of negativity and harm, then that will lock into our unconscious mind. And in the future, when we're put in a situation with a completely different person, mm-hmm. our brain is looking for survival and it's going to look to the past, to that experience, and it's going to inform how you show up in the present. So instead, two things can happen. One, you can, if it's a dialogue, you can go to the person and say, this is what I think is happening. This is the story I'm telling myself. This is what I'm believing. Am I right? Am I wrong? What's your perspective? Now, caveat warning, depending on how you ask this, you could be setting yourself up for gaslit, being gaslit. Okay. Mm. And I don't talk about that in the book only because by the time the book was done, we ended up having to cut a lot out. We, I mean, mm. otherwise- it And it's been- already a healthy size book. It's a book, a yeah. A lot of value, yeah. Yes, thank you. It's, and that's so funny. We could talk about the writing process because I, I thought <laughs> there's no way I'll be able to write the amount of words that they're asking me to write and who needs a book that big. And then I was uh, like, I need more words. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. Was- we nod to, to the gaslight effect in the book, but here's the thing. So when you ask someone, when you say to someone, I'm having these thoughts, I'm telling myself these stories, you know, which is right. You don't want to ask it that way. So the way that I asked my husband was that we were, I was setting us both up. So yeah. you want to say something like, I'm thinking this and I'm curious to know what's your perspective. Mm. What are you thinking? What did you mean when you said or did this? What was your intention? And obviously we all know that um, impact and intention are very different. Sometimes our intentions are one way, but the impact is something completely different. So you wanna really start paying attention to these stories that you're telling yourself and ask yourself, is this story helping me or is it hurting me? So for example, your audience, we have a lot of authors. Yeah. If I'm writing my book, and I come across writer's block. Who knows about yeah. that, right? <laughs> Just a little bit, yes. <laughs> is it is the story like, I have writer's block, I'm stuck, this is too mm-hmm. hard, I'm never gonna be able to finish this, I should just stop right here. You know, no one is ever gonna like this, this is crap. Is that a helpful story? No. Absolutely it's not. not. It's, it's, not only is it not helpful, but it's really, really false. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So the question is, is this helpful? Is this harming me? What's a better story I can tell myself that I can mm -hmm. amplify? So yeah. a better story is, yes, it's true. I am having writer's block. That is actively happening. And who knows, if I step away for a little bit, maybe I can come back refreshed and it's not so bad and I'll try again. Another story is, you know what, even if this is crap, I can just look at this as a first draft. I'll get an editor on it. The editor will help mm -hmm. me finish it out. It'll be fine. Yes. The, another better story is I'm, go, I'm having writer's block. It's making me feel X, Y, and Z. And I chose this because I have a message. Mm -hmm. so who I want to be, right? Curiosity is going to be your key to clarity. So you just want to be paying attention. And um, in the book, I say, amplify the stories that serve you. Yes. Yes. And I, I love this because so much of our life, as we're already saying, is built from stories. And it's not saying that we're putting on rose colored glasses and saying, well, it serves me better to say I'm, you know, perfect and never hurt anyone and you know like we're not being extra positive in a toxic no I hate that yes, <laughs> I know it is more of that you gave great examples one with a person where you could have a conversation partners are a great you know <laughs> exercise practice ground with that and then you also gave an example of stories we tell that there's nobody to go to, to ask, like, are you going to read my book? Because I have this fear. I'm telling myself a story that nobody's going to read it. There's nobody to ask. So in that situation, we can stop and dig into what serves us better. And it's from a place of service. If our stories are keeping us from saying what we want to say, using our voice, writing what we want to say. Like I literally, and you know this, you've helped me identify this. Like my, my throat tenses up when I'm not saying what I really want to say. Like my head is saying what I think people want to hear or what would be safe to keep me from rejection or abandonment or you're being in the slander. Yeah. Yes. Your identity really comes out for you. <laughs> yes. And, it, and now I can feel, oh, my throat's tensing up. What is that? What can I uncover from this? Yeah. And journaling has definitely been a tool that's helped me like dig into those feelings of writer's block. Yeah. Well, that's the question that you ask. And it's a really great one to journal around is what am I not saying, but am thinking? Mm. Okay. What am I thinking, but not saying? And, you know, I have over, you know, I think I've been in business for now 12, 13 years. This whole time, I have always said things that everyone else is thinking. <laughs> yes. People love that. I get so mm -hmm. many emails like, oh, you said exactly what I was thinking, but I just didn't have the courage to say. And yes. then the other thing you said, this idea of, I'm going to write this book. No one's going to read the book. There are 7 billion people on the planet. I promise you at least one person will read your book. Someone, yeah. didn't even know. Someone sent me a message the other day. I do not know this. As a matter, no, I lie. Excuse me. Let me correct myself. 
someone tagged me on a post on Facebook. I do not know this person. And she said, I found this book in the library, my book, Permission to Offend. And I started reading it and, and I'm loving it. And it's everything that I've been thinking about. And in the chapter one, she says this and in chapter two, and it was so good. And I loved it so much that I thought I have to buy this book. And she said, even though I'm already getting it for free because she served me so much. That mm. put me over the edge. Like, because think about this. Here we have this belief that I'm writing this book. No one's going to buy it. It sucks. It's going to be rejected. People are going to say mean things. We're going to get the one-star reviews. Da, 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 da. By the way, you're going to get one-star reviews. Yeah. Okay, everyone's got Initiation. Way, do you know that people will give you a one-star review, not because of the content of the book, but because Amazon delivered it and it was dusty or the box was broken. I've seen so many of the crazy yeah. reasons why people give a one-star review. But the point being is that you have to look at it from the perspective of, okay, is this really true? No one, not one person on a planet of 7 billion. Here's another fun fact. Once I submitted the first draft of the, well, okay, let me take a step back. When you're traditionally published, and you finish and you turn your book in, goes through this process where they start kind of shipping it out to other countries to see who might want to translate the book, okay? Mm, I didn't know this. I yeah. get an email from a guy in Italy and he's like, I'm reading your book to decide if we want to translate it in Italian. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I, I would say I'd saved his name so I could follow up and be like, so what'd you think? You hear is all yeah. my book. <laughs> I, I for whatever dumb reason but the point is that you just don't know and it's a, a much more productive thought to think wouldn't it be amazing if someone in Egypt read my book wouldn't it be amazing my friend Kara wrote the book girl code and mm -hmm. so and by the way she self-published that book originally that's how I found you is that how you found me oh, yeah because you oh, had like your story snippet in there. My story it's like, is who is this amazing person? <laughs> well, thank you, Kara. So yeah. here's the cool thing though. She self-published that book. And then people from other countries began translating her book into all these different languages. She got no royalties, no, like she didn't get anybody. <laughs> but here, I love what she said. She said, I don't care. I love that my work is being translated. And then from that, so people from around the world and parts unknown found her self-published book, quote unquote, randomly. And then from there, Penguin Random House came knocking on her door saying, hey, we want to buy the right to this book and give you another book deal. So for all of the authors listening, like your job is not to decide whether or not it's good enough. Your job is to write. Yes. Go tell your story, hire an, if you're that concerned with like, is my book good enough? Get into Erica's program, right? Like mm -hmm. hire an editor, a coach to help you through the process. Mm -hmm. Do the best that you can and put it out there. If after you put it out there, you're still like, eh, I don't know. You can always publish a second edition and a third edition. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and so much transformation happens in the process of writing that you become a whole person and really stepping into that like unfiltered and unafraid you get 
so many opportunities to check yourself of like, okay, am I going to really put this out in purpose Mm -hmm. and own my story or continue to hide? Like, or play it safe. Play it safe. Yeah. And that's not how we're doing things. No, I have a very strong opinion about books that play it safe. Mm, Tell me. I find them to be boring and a big waste of time Mm. like those fluffy play it safe books that there's like no real opinion no position one way or another Mm. I can't get back that time yeah (laughs) which I mean in my I have an aligned author process and the second one is refining your catalyst message and your core reader because it's not about having an origin story it's not about having just telling stories for story's sake or especially shallow stories but what is that catalyst what what was that moment that changed things or what was that moment that you got to rewrite your story in such a more empowering way and it's led so many women to where they are right now in their business and in their books and their lives is something really set an imprint on them. And now they're, they're following that to help release other people from the locks that have held them. So I love that you, you share a lot of really potent catalyst stories, like how you really stepped up and owned your voice. One way that you really owned your voice that I want to also acknowledge the women that are like, well, I don't have a book or a business, Mm -hmm. but they can use their voice to advocate for themselves. And you did this beautifully, like in your health Mm -hmm. uh, in stepping up and saying, okay, I've got it. I, I advocate for my kids, like nobody's business. I speak up for marginalized communities. I speak up for my faith. But when it comes to myself, I'm I'm on the back burner and I'll just get by with, you know, nibbles <laughs> off of everyone else's plate. So what would you say to that woman who is feeling like oh, I'm feeling a certain way physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but my voice is like, where, where's my voice for myself? What can I, what can I say? Like you think you're being the martyr. You think that there's some honor in martyring yourself and what kind of example do you think you're setting for your kids behaving that way Mm. all you're teaching your kids is to be a doormat for someone else all Mm. you're teaching your kids is that their wants their needs you know are only ever going to be met by you and that once they grow up they need to you know slave away for someone else as well keep their mouth shut Mm. To me, and so that's the first part. And then at what cost? So you're doing all these things, you're run down, you are not taking care of yourself. Who's going to take care of them if something happens to you? Because you never gave them the skills to take care of themselves. You never gave them the example of using their voice. And now you have put yourself on the back burner for so long. Now you're sick. It's traumatizing for the children. I mean, I know I sound like I'm being very harsh and I don't mean to be cruel or insensitive. 
I, I aim to speak what I consider to be truth and truth is subjective. We talk about that in the book as well, right? Truth is subjective. My truth may be yeah. different than your truth. My truth doesn't make you a liar. Your truth doesn't make me a liar. But if you're asking me what I would say, I would say, honey, start taking care of yourself because you need to be the example for those kids that you love so much. If it's a mom. Mm-hmm. If it's someone who's not a mom, but you're, you're doing that, I would ask whose rejection are you fearing? Like mm. that's what it comes down to, right? Anytime that we mm. are murdering ourselves and we're doing for everyone else, it's because we're afraid that we're going, going to be rejected. Mm. And I would ask you like, is your health worth avoiding the pain of rejection? Like just go through it, get rejected a couple of times. You will bounce back. Here's a fun fact. So in our brain, the, the neuroreceptors in the brain that register pain are also on the same pathway as the receptors in your brain that process rejection. So every time oh, wow. you rejected, your brain thinks you've just been punched or like mm. it feels the physical pain. This is why we avoid it so much because our body thinks like, ah, we're under attack, right? The brain is thinking someone's physically attacking us. You're not. It's just where the wires are in your brain. And if you can remember that, then you can say, oh, okay, yeah, this rejection is hurting me because my brain is processing that I'm being physically attacked. That's not true. That's not happening. The person just didn't like what I had to say, they didn't vibe. This happened to me yesterday. You ready for a good story? Okay, yes, please. So um, I have, I live in a gated community and Erica, you know me, no new friends. Have been saying yeah. that for years, right? No <laughs> new friends. Cause I am actually, believe it or not, I'm introverted. I don't really like being around people. I love people, but I don't like being around them all that much. I decided at the beginning of last year that I was going to make a concerted effort to have more local friends, to like make friends as an adult, which by the way, is not easy. Yeah. So, or maybe it is. And I've just told myself a story that it's not. Hmm. I will journal. (laughs) So I see this woman and she's singing and I stop and I celebrate her and I say, oh my gosh, she has such a beautiful voice. So that was like the first conversation. Then another day she's on her walk. I'm on my walk. Our dogs kind of talk. And, um, and so no. we kind of talk. Okay. Now third encounter where, Hey girl, how are you? Da, 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 da. We start talking and it was right around the time where like, I had a lot going on with confidence activated my live event, you know, coming up mm-hmm. and she seemed like she had a lot going on. So we start talking, we connect about God, we exchange numbers. And I'm like, yes, let's go to church sometime. And I say to her, you know, there's this great book that I, I would love to recommend to you because I think it might help you. It's called Rejection Identity Thief by Pastor Bev Tucker. Excuse me, for anybody that identifies as Christian and who has really uh, struggled with people pleasing and fear of rejection, this is a book I highly recommend. It's very thin. I read it on a plane, hmm. cover to cover, one two hour plane ride. Like that's how small it is. Okay. So she's like, Oh, I would love that book. Yes, please. I said, okay, I'll reach out to you. We'll get together. I'll bring you the book. But Erica, you know, me like life, <laughs> I think I got so busy. I never called the girl. 
but I've seen her a couple of times and I'm always waving. And a couple of weeks ago, I was like, hey girl, I haven't forgotten you. I have your book. And she was like, okay. So the other day I said, I'm going to keep this book with me in the car. So if I see her, at least I can keep my word and give it to her. I mm -hmm. see her sitting down in front of her yard. So I'm like, hey, I'm excited. I pull over. And as I'm walking towards her, she has her head, like her earbuds in, and she gives me this like nasty look. And I know I was yeah. like, uh-oh. And I'm like, hey. And, and she goes, yeah. And oh, I, wow. it was like weird. And I was like, I, I have this book. And she goes, oh girl, I don't want that book. I don't need that book. I don't have rejection. And I said, <laughs> Okay. I was like, well, it's just a great book. of. I didn't mean to insinuate. It's just a great book. of. Yeah. She goes, thank you, but I don't need that book. And I said, okay, I hope you have a great day. And she was like, yeah. I mean, it was the most awkward exchange. I, even as I'm retelling you this, I feel like I'm being punched yeah. in the stomach. Right. So here's the important thing to recognize. This is a neuroscience training coming out right by, by the way, in case anybody's like, what are we talking about here? So here's what's happening your brain doesn't know the difference between the truth, a lie, or a memory. So right now, even as I'm telling you what's happening, my brain, which is recalling, is thinking that this is happening right now. Yeah. So why my stomach, as I'm telling you the story, my stomach is starting to hurt. Like, I feel like I just got punched. So mm -hmm. I, and my throat is getting like, cause these are all the sensations that I felt when she said that to me. Yeah. This goes along to the story. So as we, and by the way, my daughter is watching this interact, like she's watching me getting rejected. So now I'm not, I didn't just get rejected. <laughs> I have an audience. audience to my yeah. <laughs> and I get in the car and now my daughter, who's very sensitive to rejection, she's upset. Mm. And she's like, Can we just go? And I'm like, yeah, I said, that was so weird. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, I said, well, I understand this didn't happen to you. So I think that you're picking up what happened to me. This didn't happen to you. This happened to me mm -hmm. and it's okay. And I said, and I, I am going to think about why is this hurting so much? Mm -hmm. What am I telling myself about this experience? And I said, and honey, I'm talking it over with you because I want you to learn how to do this for yourself. Yes. Have a moment where there will be a misunderstanding or mm -hmm. offend someone or someone will reject you. And mm -hmm. I feel rejected right now. What am I making this mean? And I mm -hmm. realized that in the moment I was making her saying, oh girl, I don't want that book mean that I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I was wrong in thinking that she wanted it. I was wrong for stopping. Um, I was misunderstood in my intention. And so nobody wants to be misunderstood, right? Everyone wants yeah. to be seen, heard, and understood. It's like a, a basic universal need is to be yeah. seen, heard, and understood. And the whole time where my daughter and I are driving, I kept reminding myself, Rachel, no one has physically hit you. So you don't have to feel this pain. It's okay for people to misunderstand you. And it's okay to be wrong. 
So you got it wrong. Maybe you didn't get it wrong. Maybe that girl is bipolar. Cause then I started to think to myself, yeah. well, did I imagine, I gaslit myself. Did I yeah. imagine this? No, I did not imagine the conversation. Cause I am, listen, I am a Christian, but I am not a track passing Christian, right? Like I don't yeah. have You're not handing out rejection books to everyone. No, <laughs> I'm not. I, so, and I often, even if I have multiple copies, like I like my books. So yeah. I, I don't usually just go around giving books out. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite books. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I had to remind myself like Rachel, don't gaslight yourself. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be misunderstood. It's okay to be wrong. And if you see her again, smile and be friendly and if, if the Holy Spirit leads you to engage with her again, engage. And if not, then just be a pleasant neighbor saying hello and good day. And hmm. it doesn't have to mean anything you don't want to make it mean. Yes. Right? Yeah. Now, I want to point out something for anyone listening. As you're, because as you're writing your book, you start to go back into your stories and your past experiences. Yeah. And when that happens, you're going to feel all the emotions, right? There were some parts of my book um, some, some of them writing some parts of the book made me cry because I'm sure living the experience. Yeah. I read the audio book and we were reading, I think it was either chapter two or chapter three, where I talk about like the whole health journey. Yeah. I had to stop mm. and take a breath. And like, there was one part where I had to stop. I was like, I'm sorry, I need a minute. And we had to take a full break because my brain was thinking that I was back in this hospital room. And I had to like actively say to myself, and so this is a practice for all of the authors listening. This will happen to you if you are digging in and, and being vulnerable in your work. Yes. When this happens, like I believe in like somatic practices. So Mm -hmm. uh, touching yourself kind of gives, it stimulates the nervous system. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I do a hand on my chest and a hand on my belly kind of like, and I'm short. So hand on my chest and hand on my belly covers my heart, my diaphragm, my stomach, (laughs) like I'm covered, but whichever area needs the most support. And I actually, um, give some gentle pressure. So I don't just like light hand. I actually, so that it feels almost like a hug. Okay. Uh Yeah. And while I'm doing that, I am, I close my eyes. I'm taking some really good diaphragmatic breaths, like big filling up the belly type breaths. I'm holding it at the top for a couple of seconds. And then I'm forcefully pushing that air out of my mouth. Right. And I am reminding myself, this is a memory you are safe. Then I say, open your eyes and look around. And then I say, stand up and look down. Your feet are on the floor. You are here in this moment. You are not in the memory. You're simply remembering something that you already survived and you are safe. Mm-hmm. And then I remind myself, sharing this memory with other people does not put you in danger and it doesn't put you back there. It mm. just someone else move forward. Mm. That's so powerful. And that like mm. helps, right? Grounding. Yeah. You, I think that to be 
the author that God is calling you to be, I think you have to be willing to go there. Mm -hmm. If you really want someone to read your book and feel like their life has been changed, like you have to let them experience the change that you go through as you write the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If no one else ever reads my book, Permission to Offend the Compassionate Guide for Living Unfiltered and Unafraid, I know that the three or 4,000 people that have already read, their lives have been changed forever. Absolutely. Good enough for me. And, and, and then can you separate your ego from like, but I want to sell a million copies. I still, I want to sell a million copies. Wouldn't that be amazing? You will, you will. Amazing. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, if only one person ever read the book, I know I did my job. Yeah. Cause I went there into that dark place. So can you give yourself permission to go there? That's another journal prop, right? Like, can I give myself permission to be vulnerable with my reader so that they can get the transformation? Mm, yes. And if the only two readers were your daughters. Ah, oh, that's some, who I like, voted for. <laughs> exactly. We never know the impact of an obedient small step. I always talk about inside my coaching, we do confident action steps. And it's that like, what's the first next best step? What can you just fully step into and release the expectation of seeing the entire journey and saying, oh yeah, this one step will be worth it. We don't know, but we can take that confident first step. Mm-hmm. So I love the somatic practice that we can do. It's very actionable. The other actionable thing in owning our voice and writing stories that are empowering to us is through journaling. And you have a program, Faith Activated. I am honored to be one of the coaches. It has been transformational for me and just absolutely an honor to now step up and lead your community with journaling because pre-journaling, I would have told you that I've had a journal since I was six because that's what I called it. I was writing things down, but what I was doing was just keeping a diary of like, oh, today this happened and today I'm super angry and today I'm sad and tomorrow we're going to, you know, do these things, but that's just documenting our days. It wasn't creating any kind of, let me find my voice. Let me own my voice. Let me amplify my voice. It wasn't transformational until learning your journaling process and being in it for years now of like, okay, we journal because we can uncover so many things. Will you share more about journaling in a way that's impactful, transformational for a woman finding and owning her voice? Yes. So, oh, I don't know why that felt so heavy. Um, mm. Here's the thing, because I, I think when you said, you know, it, can you show us how to journal in for a woman finding and owning her voice? And I think that when we try to, fit it into one box, 
um, we're limiting, right? So the, w- the way that I teach journaling is not just for you to find and own your voice. It's for True. every aspect of your life, right? So I don't mm-hmm. want to minimize it and say, this is only good for this. I will say it's a major catalyst for you to find and own your own voice when you learn that number one, it's safe for you to keep a journal in the first place. So one of the biggest reasons why people are afraid to journal in the first place is, oh my gosh, someone's going to read it. And then (laughs) I'm going to be in big trouble. And I've had that happen to clients before. And um, so let me first, let's overcome that. And then I'll teach you how to journal. rip out the pages and shred them, right? <laughs> you gotta write, rip them out and shred them. Or if you're like, no, but I wanna keep it from memory, then put in the Easter eggs, right? So what I like to do is on the cover, if, if I think that someone's gonna read it, there's a note, like if you're reading this, you're violating my privacy. I hope you feel shamed and condemned, right? <laughs> Close <laughs> it now and never look back. Yeah, which is awful, right? But okay. <laughs> One time I was cleaning my daughter's room and she, she had like a notebook. So I opened it and it said, mom, this is my journal. And yes, there's cuss words in it. And no, I'm not supposed to cuss, but I don't say them out loud. I'm writing it and you shouldn't be reading my journal anyway. And if you read it, I'm going to hate you forever. I was like, damn. And I closed it because I felt convicted. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. She learned from you well. (laughs) I mean, she was, when I started Faith Activated five years ago, she would be on the call. I remember her saying, can I be on the calls with you? And so her. Um, I wish she would journal like that now, but you know, she went through this phase of like, I don't want to do anything my mom tells me to do because I think I know Hmm. better, but Hmm. I have high hopes that she's going to come around. Anyway, point being. Um, so that would be the first thing is like, let's just overcome that. Now, in order to find your voice, like really find your truth. Again, I said it at the top of the hour and I'll say it again. Curiosity is the key to clarity. So the first thing that you're going to do is write the first, whatever comes to mind, like, oh my gosh, this is dumb. I'm scared. I'm nervous. What if someone reads this? You know, you're going to just write down all the things that come to mind because your unconscious mind needs that free flow moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talk about this in chapter nine and give a full breakdown. Uh, The second thing that you're going to do is you want to shift into a state of expectation. So I I like to start every journal entry with a question, right? Mm -hmm. This is where you get productivity out of your journaling. Yes. One of the reasons why people don't journal is because they think they think it's a waste of time. I don't have time. And what they're really saying is I don't have time to emote and recap my day and trigger all those emotions and feelings of what I've already experienced. Because remember, the brain doesn't know the difference between the truth, the lie, or a memory yeah. um, or a vision for, for that matter, right? Or a future vision. So I like to begin asking a question. So if it were to help me find my voice, the question I would use is, what do I want to say? And what am I afraid will happen when I say it? Mm. What do yeah. I want to say? And what am I afraid will happen when I say it? They're going to judge me. They're going to reject me. They're going to talk about me, right? Like judgment, yeah. rejection, and defamation. Those are the three fears that I talk about overcoming in my book. 
So I would start there. Then you're going to, we call it the shift in faith activated. So you're going to shift into a state of gratitude and expectation. So like um, if in the writing you said, what I really want to say is, um, what do I really, I say so much already. Like I don't <laughs> anything that I'm thinking that I haven't said. What's something that you want to say, Erica? Well, I was just thinking of something you said last week. So I'm going to, yeah, yeah. because like, I, I wrote it down. You said, we really need to know, like, and trust ourselves oh, first. Yes. yes. It just shifts instead of, oh, people need to know, like, and trust me. Do you, but do you know, like, and trust yourself? Yes. Do you? Sometimes, mm-hmm. no. Sometimes, you know, like, yeah. if I'm being super duper lazy, no, I don't like lazy Rachel Luna. She sucks. <laughs> She's the reason why there's laundry piled up. Like, she's <laughs> so do you okay so I'm writing that you know I wish people would stop trying to get other people to know like and trust them and focus on no liking and trusting themselves first mm-hmm. but I'm afraid like if I say that then you know people are going to judge me and think that if I start liking myself people are going to think that I'm conceited or I'm not humble or I'm bragging and then they're yes. going to that about me right so you might say all the things And then you're going to shift into a state of gratitude and expectation. So that could look like, I'm so proud of myself for having the courage to write these thoughts down because dang, they are scary. And I'm excited to see what could happen if I let myself think the absolute best about sharing Mm -hmm. this truth of mine. Yes. That's the shift. Why do we do that? We do that because we need the energy in our body to go into like a more positive state so that we could do the third step, which is to script. This is where you're going to script your reality, your desired outcome as if it already were a reality. Mm -hmm. So if the desired outcome is to make this bold statement that, you know, forget about getting people to know, like, and trust you, go ahead and start no liking and trusting yourself, start bragging on yourself, start telling yourself all these great things, Mm -hmm. then the script could be something like, once I gave myself permission to know, like, and trust myself, my sales and marketing dramatically changed for the better. I was attracting clients left and right. People knew me, they saw me, they understood me because I understood myself. And Mm -hmm. here's what that looked like. And then I would start to write down all of the mindset shifts that you might've had to make, all of the changes in your copy that you might've made, um, the conversations that you might've had inside whatever group program, like if you're in Erica's program, what, what those conversations would like with other authors. But the reason that you want to write this down in detail is so that on the days where you don't feel confident and you don't know what the hell to do, you ever get those days, like you wake up and you have an open day, the worst thing that you can do on a day that you intend to work is to have nothing scheduled. Because that is just a blank canvas that will be filled with insecurity, overthinking, doubt, all these negative stories and emotions. So I say, then you could look into your journal and say, huh, let me pick one of these things that I said I did in order to get the manifestation of what I want. Mm, And that's the confident action step of like, okay, we're going to step into my future version of myself. Yes. That future version. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'll have to have you back many times. Like we could definitely dig into so many topics when it comes to permission to offend voice story and journaling, of course. I like to end our interviews with two questions. The first one is, and you may have already dropped it earlier, but here we go, is what's a book that's been impactful to you as you own your voice and use your story? Oh, the Bible. Here we go. Okay. Ah, the, I'll tell you why. Oh my goodness. I can't tell believe why. I, feel like I know. I'm surprised. <laughs> I feel like my grandmother. Uh, which, by the way, when I used to visit my grandmother in Puerto Rico and I used to wear short shorts, she'd pull them down and <laughs> or if I had a skirt on, she'd like lower it. <laughs> um, the Bible, because the Bible always reminds me to take bold action, right? To have bold courage. And then if you look at Jesus, he was like the number one offender. Jesus had no chill whatsoever. He was in there ripping up tables and flipping tables and, you know, hanging out with the hoes and the murderers and the tax collectors. (laughs) And because I have so much faith that no matter what I do, as long as I, not no matter what, there's consequences for everything, good consequences, bad consequences. But as long as my words, my statements are aligned with my beliefs and my values, then God is going to form a hedge of protection around me. And yes, there will be people that do not agree with me a hundred percent. There will be people that I um, repel which I think that, that that we have to like be in that season as writers. Even if I repel some people, I'm going to be like the perfect fit for another group of people. And those are the people that God has called me. That's the territory that God already prepared for me. Mm. So, you know, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. God's got me. Like as it. long as what I say aligns biblically. Yeah. Now if I, I like start, it. I'm on my own. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Last thing is what's one confident action step you'd like to leave with us today? Like for them to take? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm. Go grab your journal right now and use this prompt. That's I said it, I think, three times already. Yeah. Coming up. So this is the question that you get to ask yourself. What am I thinking but not saying? And then bonus. Yeah. The post and put it out into the world. Even if you just put it in your stories to close friends, mm-hmm. or if test you're in the waters, yeah, test or if you're in, in if you're in Erica's program, like in your community, put it in there because it's a safe community. Absolutely, I love that prompt. I will definitely put it in the show notes. Everyone can find all the ways to connect with Rachel, Rachel Luna, and on Instagram and at Girl Confidence. So thank you so much, Rachel. It was a pleasure as always. I am so excited that I got to introduce you to my community and for them to get into your world as well. Thank you for having me, friend. I love you. Love you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story. I love spending time with you. Now, I'd love for you to subscribe rate and leave a review because I love hearing from you. 
And if you found value in this episode, share it with a friend and then come hang out with me on Instagram at Erica Akingboye. Be sure to check out the show notes. I've included all important notes and links, including how you can get the latest free download that is exactly how to use your story to create social change. I'll be back here next week and hope you will be too. See you there, friend.